Hello, my name is Eric Seaton, and I am one of the pastors at the Village Church. The following podcast is a ministry of the Village Church. We hope that it inspires you, that it draws you closer to Jesus, and it opens your eyes to the possibilities of living in the kingdom. Enjoy, and God bless. Hi, Village. Oh, hello, Village. I'm just going to talk to you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Let's pray. Can you turn me down just a little bit, Tim? Jesus, thank you so much for this good community. Thank you for the people in it. Thank you um, for the opportunity to worship you and to live life together and to figure it out. Um, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, raising from the dead, giving us hope of eternal life. Um, Holy Spirit, I ask that as we wrestle with words that I speak, as we wrestle with relationship with each other, that we would really offer grace, kindness, and gentleness. Give us the courage to do that. Give us the patience to do that. Give us the ability to do that. And we ask that in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so my job today is to talk about why I belong. And I don't know, the village has been around for 22 years, and I've probably done 15 of the Why Belong sermons. I'm the Why Belong guy, and now that Rod retired, I really am the Why Belong guy. So if you're like, okay, what is this belonging thing? I look around and I recognize many of you, and so I know you know what it is, but let me just tell it to you again, because I know not everybody understands what it is. So every year, we give you the opportunity to say, is this the community that I belong to? Are these the people I want to walk with? And we give it to you in two ways. One is you're like, hey, I like these people or most of them. I like them enough to come on Sundays and hang out with them. Um, But I don't know about Jesus. or I don't know about the doctrine. I'm not sure I can fit into everything they want me to fit into. We're like, you still belong to us. Do the art project. So you can see all over the place there are projects like we did letters one year. You decorated a letter. We did leaves. There's a whole amazing stuff like chess set out there, people decorated chess pieces. It's a a symbolic way of saying, this year, this is where I belong. These are my people. The second way, though, is to say, you know what? I'm a follower of Jesus. I want to be in the community. I want to grow. I want to serve. I want to learn how to follow Jesus. I'm going to sign on the dotted line, and I'm going to step in and give all that I have to this space and this mission for this year. All right? So I am here to give you an argument why you should belong to the village, why you should do it. Um, And so to do that, I want to talk about loneliness. I want to talk about loneliness because just last week, I think it was, or the week before, uh, the good old Surgeon General said this, widespread loneliness in the U.S. poses health risks as deadly as smoking a dozen cigarettes daily, costing the health industry billions of dollars annually. The U.S. Surgeon General said Tuesday in declaring the latest public health epidemic. Here's some other stuff you might want to know about it. Research shows that Americans who have become less engaged with worship houses, community organizations, and even their own family members in recent decades have steadily reported an increase in feelings of loneliness. The number of single households has also doubled over the last 60 years. When loneliness research really got going, it was in 2018, it was this professor of psychology at Brigham Young University, and she presented research findings on loneliness in 2018's annual American Psychological Association convention. She showed that loneliness is more dangerous to health than obesity. 
and actually rivals risks of smoking. Wow, have I got you depressed yet? When we talk about loneliness, loneliness, a lot of times we might think, oh, it's social isolation, but you can be lonely in your marriage. You can be lonely right now while you're sitting here with all these people. It really is a, an experience you have where you don't feel like you're known in the place that you're in, and you would like to be in another place, right, that felt known. Um, psychologists have lots of ways of defining loneliness and all that kind of good stuff. But as followers of Jesus, we say, uh-huh, it's obvious. Genesis 1.18, it says, The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It's not good to be alone. God says it's not good to be alone. We are designed, male and female, we're designed Human beings to be together, to be together for each other, right? So, loneliness, all right? How about physical touch? You're like, okay, where are we going, Eric? Like, you want me to belong, and now you're talking about loneliness and physical touch. Well, I'd like to give you some data on hugs. So, lowers cortisol levels Lower cortisol levels are observed after hugging results in decrease of stress. Physical benefits include minor reductions in blood pressure and heart rate. Hugs offer emotional and psychological advantages, such as a sense of connection and belonging. I could go on and on and on about the benefits of physical touch. Right? We're not designed to be apart from each other. When you are close to somebody, like you're in this room, even if no one intentionally hugs you, you might bump into them. Their body might walk by you. Someone might put their hand on you to move you out of the way, right? You still got some physical touch. It's, it's important. And Matthew 8, 3, we heard the reading, the beautiful reading, um, a leper comes to Jesus and asks to be healed. And this is not always the pattern of Jesus, but Jesus often heals a lot through touch. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, to be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Right? There, we're not designed to be alone, and there is something healing to touch. All right. Oh, so physical touch, loneliness... Forgiveness. Here, let me just give you some more data on forgiveness. Some data on that. Okay. Forgiveness is linked to improved emotional well-being, including reduced anxiety, depression, and anger. Some studies suggest that forgiveness can lead to better physical health, including lower blood pressure and a stronger immune system. Forgiveness, forgiving others can improve relationships by reducing tension and fostering trust, understanding, and empathy. Individuals who practice forgiveness often report experiencing increased feelings of self-worth and self-efficacy. Forgiveness has been associated with better cognitive function, including improved focus and problem-solving skills. All right. So, what am I trying to say? Well, what I'm trying to say is that Jesus said, yeah, forgiveness is really important. In fact, he said, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Paul expands this and he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you, Ephesians 4.32. 
And then we just got out of Colossians. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So it's, Scripture clearly tells us that forgiveness is key to our health. Right? So, belonging. What's my argument here? What am I trying to say? I'm trying, if, am I trying to say that if you decide to belong, you won't be lonely? Am I saying you're going to get a lot of hugs if you belong to the village? I mean, come on, the village is not a hugging church. We're a more, you're more likely to be moved out of the way <laughs> than to get a long embrace, right? But that is our hugging. So, you know, or maybe you might get a little back rub. But am I saying you're going to get, get more hugs? Am I saying that people will forgive you? All the time. Here is the answer. Maybe. Maybe if you belong, that will happen. But let me tell you the honest truth. I'm a pastor here. My wife's a pastor here. Mark is. Michael is. A bunch of leaders, all of you. I, as your leader, am super broken. And I can promise you that I will disappoint you. I will act in fear in relationship with you. I'll say things that I shouldn't say to you, right? I also hopefully will be a benefit to you, right? But the thing is I want you to understand is that it is messy. So why did I give you those three things? Because the world is a really lonely place. The world is a really lonely place, and it is getting more lonely. At least that's what the data is telling us, right? It's getting more lonely. Guess what? It is a world that doesn't touch, its, touch each other except in inappropriate ways. And it's not even doing that sometimes, right? Like, the, we are, we've become an isolated community, world. We've become a lonely world. And we've become a world that does not forgive one another. We are unwilling to forgive one another. And if we all decide to belong together, we all are influenced by the world, we're going to bring all of that in. You're going to bring your loneliness, I'm going to bring my loneliness. You're going to bring your need for physical touch, and I'm going to bring mine. You're going to bring your unwillingness to forgive, and I'm going to bring mine. But there is one difference. We're not inviting you to belong to a club. I mean, clubs are having a hard time getting people to belong anyway, but we're not inviting you to belong to a club. We're actually inviting you to come to a community that has arranged its life around Jesus and really wants to follow Jesus. Now, the Benedictine monks had a vow. Now, St. Benedict lived in in like 480 or something like that, Um, and he had a lot of rules. But he was getting super frustrated because there were a lot of monks who were going to one monastery and hanging out there, and when the beer got bad, they went to a different monastery, right? They were just bouncing around. And he had, actually had a word for them. I can't remember what it is in Latin, but he had a, had like a thing that he called them, and they were like aimless wanderers is what the word was. Um, and so he came up with this vow of stability. And I love this picture. Because I think this is what community is right here. I want you to have that in your mind. This is what I'm inviting you into. Some of you are this rock right here. And so we need all these over here to bounce that out. Um, Just joking. I love all of you. I'm the big rock. There we go. But this vow of stability really defines who the village is. 
and what we've been over 22 years. And so I want to read it to you and talk about it a little bit. We vow to remain, and by the way, this is a modified one for more modern times, and it's a little bit easier to read. Okay, here we go. We vow to remain all our life with our local community. We live together, pray together, work together, relax together. We give up the temptation to move from place to place in search of an ideal situation. Ultimately, there is no escape from oneself, and the idea that things would be better someplace else is usually an illusion. And when interpersonal conflict arises, we have a great incentive to work things out and restore peace. This means learning the practice of love, acknowledging one's own offensive behavior, giving up one's preferences, and forgiving. Now, when we ask you to belong, we're really actually asking you to think this way about the village, except for the one line up there, all your life. We're not asking for all your life. We're just asking for a year. Right? That's what the invitation is, is to come make this community that for a year for you. But there's some interesting things in here. What you're invited to do is to live together and pray together and work together and relax and to restore peace and to work things out. I love that. And being willing to give up your own preferences for things and to forgive. Now, the village has been a place of stability. And the baptism we're going to see tonight and the baptism you saw in the morning have a narrative of stability. But Pastor Rod is an example of stability. There he is right over there. Wave at Pastor Rod. He retired after 22 years of the village, and he helped plant the village with me and many of you who are looking at me because we've been here 22 years, right? Rod showed up. Rod practiced this every day. And he showed up in your life and in my life, and he's still showing up. Though he doesn't show up as much, I don't see him as much anymore. You need to call me for lunch sometime. That'd be great. <laughs> it, oh, oh, yeah. Ooh. And there you go. There's community. The phone rings both ways if you didn't hear what he said. He just, he doesn't have the mic, so uh, that kind of went under. No, but Rod, Rod has led out in that. Many of you have anchored yourself in neighborhoods and moved in around each other and have supported each other for, the year, for many years and cared about the people in your neighborhoods, right? And cared about one another's kids and families. This stability surrounded around Jesus gives us as a people and the outside world an opportunity to be healed, to be touched, right? to be forgiven. Right? And to actually experience being known and seen and loved. And when you're known and seen and loved, then that actually alleviates the feeling of being lonely. Now, I'm not saying that this is a magic bullet. In fact, what I'm inviting you to is something much more messy than playing video games and watching Netflix. I'm actually inviting you to something bigger and more grand. This little messy community. Come belong. Come take the vow of stability. Be part. 
We are all sandpaper, so to speak, and we are going to rub and smooth each other out, and it's not always going to be pretty. Right? So I invite you to belong. I invite you to sign the covenant. I invite you to put your little you know, scrabble piece on the, on the canvas and say, this is my community. Now, let me just give you some things that I am hoping will get developed in us this year. That I, as a leader and as one of the elders, hope that God will massage into our life. The first one is that I really long for us to recognize God's heart and our neighbor's story. In John 3:16 and 17, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. No matter where you are in your walk with Christ, some of you were born into Christian families, and some of you got hit by lightning at 25 and met Jesus. But all of us have a story of darkness and light. We all have a story of this is what darkness was like in my life, and I met Jesus, and now here are the elements of peace. This is how I have found peace. And that's like a 15 to 30 second story. It's not that hard to say chaos, peace. This is what Jesus has done. And the thing is, my hope is that you and I would be aware of God's heart for us and that we would be excited about bringing that to the na- our neighbors. And when I say neighbors, I mean literally your neighbors. I mean the people you work with. I mean your family members in your home. Anybody who is adjacent to you is your neighbor. And I hope that the Holy Spirit will develop that in us. An awareness of our darkness and light and an awareness of God's heart for our neighbor. The second one, you can see my little dyslexia there, but one heart and mind. Your neighbor's needs. I love this passage, Acts 32 and following. This is about the early church. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. My longing is for our community to develop an awareness of the needs of one another and the needs of our neighbors. What strikes me about this passage is that there was no one who was needy. And when there was need, someone sold a house and a field, like they let go of their things in order that other people might have what they need. I long for our community to be a people who hold all that they have, now this includes me, all that I have in an open hand for you and for my neighbors. That we can't solve the problems of everybody in here and everybody out in the world. It's a big thing, but we can, one person at a time, say, where is your need, 
and how can I help and do I have something? Right? What do I have? And you know what? All it needs to be is a fish and a loaf. Right? Jesus can deal and change and make things bigger. Right? So, second thing is I'm hoping that we will be one in heart and mind and that we will want to provide for one another and our neighbors. That will become part of who we are. And the last one, Hebrews 13, 17. The writer says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. I love that. It's one of my favorite verses. Now, some texts say, obey your leaders. The NIV is trying to get at what this word obey means. It's, con- it's a confidence or it's be persuaded that your leaders are good. Part of saying, I belong here, is you're saying, hey, you know what, Pastor Eric, Pastor Sue, Pastor Mark, Pastor Michael, like, I am confident that they have my good at heart. Yes, they keep telling us that they're messed up, but I, I really do believe they care about us. So submit to them. So as a leader, I'm saying, you need to submit to me. So what is submission? Well, we talked about this in Colossians. Submission is to fit yourself to someone. right? It is to come alongside and aid them in the mission. Take all of your resources and all of your wisdom and come alongside them and make the mission happen. Make their mission happen. What the writer of Hebrews is saying is, come alongside your leaders, fit to them, make the mission happen. Because when you do that, it makes it a lot easier for them. They don't get stressed out. They aren't, they aren't you know praying through their anxiety nonstop. Right? They're, they're relaxed. And, you, and it's a benefit to you to have me relaxed. Right? It is a big benefit. So think about it. I, my longing here, though, is in the title. Discipleship, fitting yourself to the leaders, means that you, if your leader's at peace, you're going to be at peace, which means that you can bring your neighbors peace. Right? We want to bring our neighborhoods, our community here, people we work with, we want to be agents of peace. And I would argue that submitting to your elders and leaders will actually bring peace to your neighbor. That's my argument. Okay. So, what are some practical ways that this could play itself out? They're real simple. Number one. Here, if you belong at the village, here's a practical way to belong. Come on Sunday and volunteer. Right? Come on Sunday and pack out the volunteer list. Join a pilgrim group. Here's why I would argue the pilgrim group is. A pilgrim group, or why you should join one. You're going to learn ways of the village. You're going to learn how to pray as a villager. You're going to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. You're going to build a common language with the community. And you're going to learn the table of decision. And for those of you who don't know about it or don't like it, or you're stuck with it. I'm writing a book about it. right? Like, so learn it. Figure it out. Make it part of who you are. It's a discipline. It's part of the village. Join a pilgrim group. This is a place where you're going to find accountability, where you're going to find community, where you're going to find people who love you and are concerned about what's going on in your life. Number three. Live a hospitable life. Live a hospitable life. Open up your home. Can't open your home. up your home, go have someone over coffee. Can't have someone over for coffee, give someone a phone call and pray for them. Right? Can't do any of that 
send random people checks in the mail. That's hospitable. They'll enjoy that. <laughs> that was a new one. I came up with that spot. Okay, here's one that, that I didn't talk about in the morning because my slides were all gone, but here's start a neighborhood outpost. This is what I mean by this. A lot of us live in different neighborhoods. Decide that you're going to be a person who invites people to your house to pray for your neighborhood once a month. Just get people together and begin to pray for your neighborhood and then watch what changes. I know a lot of you meet and you live to, around each other, so just take some time to pray for your neighborhood and ask what God is doing in your neighborhood. Give for batteries. All right. So yeah, give. We have three pastors at the village, and they work really hard, and you're called to support them. And we have a building to pay for, and we have a mission that goes forward as a community. And that all takes money, right? And I don't know how many of you noticed, but the electric bills are going up. And so the village electric bill is going up, right? Giving is, is how we make this happen. So if you're going to belong, give. And the last one, and probably the most important one, is find an elder or a pastor or a leader and just ask this question. How can I help you? How can I help you? And we as leaders will work really hard to be honest with you about how you can help. Right. So, here's my simple pitch. Belong to the village. It's not going to cure your loneliness. Only Jesus can meet you there, but you will experience him in community. Belong to the village, and you might get moved out of the way by somebody, so you'll be touched. Belong to the village because you will learn to forgive and learn what it means to be forgiven. And in that, you will meet Jesus. Belong to the village because I think God is doing something here, and he has been doing something, and he will continue to do something. So, let's continue to form stability and hold on to this ability that many of us have worked so hard to create. With that, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to baptize people and sing. So, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this community. Lord, I just pray that we would trust you and that we would have the courage to do what you're inviting us to do in all areas of our life. And I ask that in your name. Amen.